Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast with Cheryl Passwater and Nancy Campbell, where we have real conversations about what it takes to dive deep into the unique journey of healing. Health is not a win-lose game. Join us and our amazing guests to explore the layers of physical, mental, and spiritual health. So grab a drink, go for a walk, get cozy, and let's peel the onion. Hello, Nancy, and hello, Holistic Hilda. Um, Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, you guys. Yeah, we. It's been a long time coming. We. Cheryl has told me so much about you and all of your work. Um, you have you have quite quite the platform um, on multiple levels. And we. I just so please please tell everyone listening. Um, you know who you are, what you're up to, um, in the world of health and wellness, and and so let's get started. I'd love to hear more. Oh my gosh. Well, my story, YouTube begins before I was born, which is Mm. kind of weird, but true. So before I was born, the doctors knew I would be born with a birth defect. Mm. Um, My mom got exposed to the German measles and she had a deficient diet. And so I was born with something. They thought I would be born blind or unable to hear or speak. Mm. And I did have a defect. It was serious in a different way. It was a hole in my heart. So there was a hole between the lower two ventricles. So the blood was flowing in a direction it shouldn't flow in. And the doctors told my parents, they were like, this child will not live very long if we don't do open heart surgery and fix this heart. So I kind of lived a shaky childhood. I was the last one picked, you know, Mm. at recess for the kickball team and all the things because I was (laughs) nervous about being too active. I was like, what's it going to do to my heart? And the doctors were concerned too. So when I was nine years old, they did open heart surgery. And then they told me, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, oh my goodness, what what do I want to do with this new lease on life? I was like, well, first of all, I want to honor this body, right? And take care of it as best I can. So it lasts a really long time. And then I realized as I got older, oh, I want to help other people do the same. So that's kind of my holistic Hilda origin story, my backstory. And I'm just so thankful that I'm in the place I'm at as you guys know, and Cheryl, you know me personally, like I just love this health and wellness space. I love helping people embrace their own innate power to heal and to do what they can to promote well-being. You know, we're told so many times, you know, take this pill if you have a headache or or get this surgery if you have this issue. But what if there's a way in which we can cultivate good health uh, from the get-go, like a farmer might mm. plant a garden, you know, like that, like you might you know, sow some seeds. You're not making the seeds grow, but you're doing everything you can to give the seeds the optimal conditions to bear fruit, right? Right. So in the same way, our bodies, we can cultivate health by spending time outside, eating nutrient-dense food, getting sufficient sleep. All of these bits are important to our health, which is why I go by Holistic Hilda too, by the way. (laughs) I love it. I love love that there's a character, but also a mission (laughs) behind it all. And it makes perfect sense that you would be driven because you were at such an acutely aware from such an early age about how your body works and and your vulnerability right with that you how did you navigate how did you get from being a nervous kid you know <laughs> on the playground to navigating your teen years and your early adult years and trying to like did you face health challenges or was it just a matter of you just being slow and steady and and always being healthy. Like, how, did you hit some hiccups? 
That's a great question. And I don't think anyone's ever really posed that to me before. I think I just had emotional insecurities because Mm -hmm. first of all, I wasn't sure what I could do until I was nine. And then after that, I could do anything, but I had this big scar on my chest. So I was nervous, like in the locker room when I would change my clothes for gym class, like I was always kind of ashamed. And my mom was even Mm -hmm. like, you can get plastic surgery later to cover it up. And I thought, is anyone ever going to want to marry me? Like I've got this scar. I was so nervous. So I had to grow in my body confidence, right? And yeah. one way I did it was through strength training. So I became a, a certified fitness professional teaching cardio classes and body pump and, and fitness 360 <laughs> boot camp, all the things I could possibly teach. And I was like, this is the secret. Don't worry about what you eat. Just stay strong physically. And then, I love it. yeah, my aha moment came when a dear friend of mine got sick with chronic fatigue. Doctors couldn't help her. So she started changing her diet. And then I was like, oh, there's a diet piece. And then of course I realized there's an emotional piece. There's a spiritual piece. There's like so many pieces to our well-being. But I think for me, Yeah, it started out with, you know, understanding the fitness piece, the strength piece that way, and then understanding, oh, there's so much more that needs to be healed than Mm -hmm. just the body itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you bring up the, bring us to that point. And we've talked about this on the show before, which is whole body wellness. Like we are multifaceted people. We have our, you know, trauma bodies and our spiritual bodies and, our kind of soul spirit, energetic, like, you know, the custom of who we are. And it's like, it's not just what we eat, but it's also how we sleep. And it's also how we connect with nature. And, you know, that we are whole people when our life is in balance, right? Oh my gosh, so much. So we are so complex and beautiful, right? I think of how little I spent time in nature. I'm glad you brought that up because when I was teaching these exercise classes, I would run from, you know, getting my kids ready for school, dropping them off at school to the exercise class, to groceries, to picking them up, to coming home. If I spent 15 minutes outside, it was a good day. Like I really mm-hmm. had no idea how important it was for my physical grounding and even my sense of self to get outside. And because I'm the host of the Wise Traditions podcast, these other aspects that you brought up, Cheryl, the energetic you know, all of these things have come to the fore as I've interviewed people about these aspects that just were unknown to me. I, I, I mean, I was a spiritual person. I had my Christian faith and all that, but I, I just didn't realize there were so many levels. That's why I'm glad your podcast is peeling back the onion because yes. there are so many layers to well-being, and I hope we get to hit on some of them today. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, it's funny. I was, I was having a conversation with one of my clients, a brand new client, the other day did his intake session. We're having this great conversation. And he, I was like, okay, you have a little bit of homework. And I was like, I need you to do two things. And until you can do these two things consistently, we don't move forward. And he was like, what are they? <laughs> and I was like, you know, very hesitant. And I go, I need you to drink a really big glass of water with a pinch of sea salt in it before you have coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. And instead of rolling out of bed and going straight to your computer, I need you to go outside. Even Mm -hmm. if it's for 10, 15 minutes, I don't care if you're sitting in the sun in your backyard, sunbathing, reading a book. I don't care if you go for a walk. I don't care if it's, you know, you go play basketball. It doesn't matter. I was like, but I need you to go outside and get morning light, Mm -hmm. connect with nature and drink water. 
And he yes. was like, are, I mean, and he went to Chris because he's like, seriously, this is where we're starting. And I was like, this is where we're starting because it's so, it's that fundamentally important. I was like, until you can learn like it's basic self-care and just taking a moment to connect, <laughs> Yes, you know, and not just roll out to your technology into your crazy job into a stressful day. You can't, you can't do that other work. I was like, it seems so basic, but it's amazing how lost we can truly get, you know, it's easy for all of us. And you know, even like the last couple of you know, years, you know, how many of us have become sequestered to our computers even more than before we work remotely or we, you know, it's like, I have to be so mindful. Like now I book 15 minutes between all my clients where I run outside and I touch a tree and my neighbor there day, she goes, so what's the deal with like you, I see you from my office window. And she's like, you'll run outside and you'll just be standing in the grass, stretching your arms or hugging a tree. And she's like, you know, walking around. She's like, I'll see you take your shoes off. And you're just walking around in this patch of grass in the front of your house. And she's like, like, why do you do that? I need to know before you move to Atlanta, like, tell me, tell me why. Like, what's up with you? <laughs> that is awesome. And this is such a basic thing, but like I told you, and like you said, so many people miss it, right? So mm-hmm. until I met Thaddeus Owen, known as the Primal Hacker online, and got introduced to the work of Jack Cruz, I didn't understand how the sun is a multivitamin, for lack of a better word. The sun mm-hmm. gives us energy. I mean, we know the planet is perfectly positioned to get the right amount of sunlight, but we don't get it on our skin anymore because you're right. We run mm-hmm. first thing to our phones and people wake up exhausted. I heard a guy say the other day, you know, I heard my alarm and I was so happy because I woke up and I didn't feel dead. And I was like, most days he feels dead. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're missing Mm -hmm. is this connection to nature, this connection to the sun. And that early morning sun, as you mentioned, Cheryl, is especially important. There is something about it going through our eyes to the pineal gland that informs our hormones what time of day it is. Mm -hmm. It uh, revs our mitochondria, the small engines in each of our cells. It tells our internal clock what's up so that we can better produce melatonin to have more profound sleep and all the things. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I could go on and on about how there's no UVA or UVB in the early morning sunlight spectrum and all this stuff. But the main thing you need to do is what I did is just start with a two-week challenge of getting out within 30 to 45 minutes of sunrise, just be outside, like you said, 10 to 15 minutes and feel the differences in your body. I felt more energized than ever from drinking coffee. Of course, I don't really drink coffee anyway, but the point is I don't need coffee because I'm getting Mm -hmm. my energy from the primary source of energy on this planet, which is the sun. In some ways, the way some of my expert friends have called it, they say we are light eaters. So we eat plants that get their sunlight from the sun, you know, and then they, yes. they photosynthesize it into vitamins and nutrients from the soil and everything. But the sun is an important component of what those plants have to offer us. And even the meat that we eat has sunlight that it also transforms and it's eating the grasses gotten the sunlight. So we're all eating light. We just don't mm. know it. So getting yes. out first thing is such good advice to it anybody. Is. It is. I know we're actually walking to school 
like most days. I mean, if we drive to school, it is a rare thing. We we recently moved and are now literally, it takes us four minutes on a run to get to school or seven wow. minutes on foot. It's amazing. Yeah. We, we're going to roll right into the back of the schoolyard from our neighborhood. And, um, you know, thanks, thanks to the, the Atlanta neighborhood school system. Um, but we also, uh, God, I feel so much better. You know, I will be dragging, you know, throughout the morning. I, maybe I went to bed too late or I've been up too late working and um, I have to, it's my job in the morning to get Lucia, our daughter out to school and I'll come back and I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. I just got outside and took a walk and it was literally 15 minutes round trip. You know, it doesn't, take that long um and and then right in the middle I get a hug from my kiddo and some kisses goodbye and then I get to turn around by myself and kind of absorb all of that and get ready for my day so yeah I feel you and I um you know we used to be like such an agricultural based uh you know, society and, and, you know, <laughs> that's how we lived. The sun was our, our barometer. Um, you know, we, we almost literally lived and died by it, you know, whether there was, you know, the weather systems influenced so much of our, our livelihood, um, in our growth se- seasons. And so, um, you know, I, we're all pretty crunchy ladies here on this podcast, <laughs> um, but, yeah. uh, you know, self, I'll just, call us all out. If that's okay. Um, but to be fair, it's certainly something to get back to. Um, well, so, and I want to hear a little bit more. You, you have recently been traveling in, uh, um, in Mongolia, you were describing, and um, I can't help but think the sun plays a huge part in their culture. Am I, am, am I correct? Yes, I mean, Nancy, just... when you were talking, I couldn't help but think about my experience in Mongolia. So I was ah, there in October yes. and I got to be in some remote Western region with these eagle hunters. I mean, it sounds so exotic and it was. Wow. Uh, again, I'm a Latina. So I'm like, what mm. is this Latina doing out here with this Kazakh eagle hunters? You know, there are a lot of <laughs> different ethnic groups in Mongolia. Mongolia is sandwiched between China and Russia. And uh, the Kazakh people are some of the people there are there who are nomadic Mm -hmm. and have their lifestyle in this very barren, vast landscape. So uh, through a friend of mine, Mary Ruddick, who is a nutritionist and does some experiential anthropological work like I do, she invited me to go. And I was like, Mongolia, I'm in. So I went to be with these people and they live in yurts or gurs as they call them. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right. They wake up with the sun and that's mm-hmm. when they get to work and their work uh, entails being outside. They're milking the yaks. Yes. <laughs> you know, they often have camels or yaks and they're milking them or herding their various animals. There are sheep out there as well. And uh, then they go back to, to get water wherever the well is. I mean, they have their little things and they, but most of their life is spent outdoors. You know, whereas in our modern Western lifestyle, we're inside three quarters of the time. Actually, I think I read a statistic recently that said 90% of our day is inside. Yeah. And this is so unfortunate on so many levels. But yeah. back to the Kazakh eagle hunters. So they looked so well. And this is one of the, 
premises of the work of Dr. Price. I'll just backpedal a little to tell about his story. Yeah, good. He was a man in the 1930s, a dentist and researcher who wanted to find the healthiest people groups in the world. And he knew they would be isolated from modernity because he wanted to see how are they living exactly as they are untouched by modern diets and lifestyles and what can I learn from them? So he took like 10 years in the 1930s to travel the world. And he found people in Alaska and the South Sea Pacific Islands, in Switzerland and Africa. And what he found was they were all eating their traditional local diet. That was number one. And of course, they were spending a lot of time outside. And they were also not as ill (laughs) as the people who were starting to let the modern ways creep in. So people Mm -hmm. who started to eat refined flours and oils and sugars, even in the 1930s, would start to have tooth decay. Again, he was a dentist. He would notice that first. But then he said they would also have conditions that plagued modern man. You know, they would have infections and and issues with their bowels and all these things, not even cancer, because back then it was just the beginning of modernity. Uh, Now we see so many more conditions. They're so life-threatening. But when I was with these Kazakh eagle hunters, I got a glimpse of the indigenous people groups that Dr. Price saw who were untouched by modernity and living so healthily. So they were living in tune with the sun. You're right. If they spent maybe an hour after the sun went down up, you know, they had a little bit of light, but then they would cut it off and then they would go to sleep. And it was such a lovely rhythm. Mm -hmm. So number one, they were doing the sun thing. Number two, they were still eating their traditional and local diet. And what was that? It was just like eat and fat and dairy Mm. products because all they have, this is a barren landscape. Nothing can grow there. If you wanted to be a vegetarian or vegan out there, you would just die because you can't grow carrots. There's nothing, (laughs) there's nothing (laughs) but animals. So what do they do? They have the milk from the animals that they turn into curds and, you know, creams and clotted cream and cheeses and such. And Mm. then they have the Um, maybe some herbs that they could make a tea from, but that's it. And so every dish, every meal was just this meat and fat and cheese curds, you know? And I have to say, I did want a tomato or something now and then that was a little different Mm because I'm not used to that diet, but they were thriving on it. Their Mm -hmm. faces were round. They looked so healthy and happy. They weren't wanting for anything. And so I share this story with you, not because we can all go live in a yurt, although it might be lovely in Mongolia, But because I think there are some lessons here that we can apply to our own lives. You know, how can we live more in tune with nature? How Mm. can we live and eat more whole, real foods? Mm. And in what ways can we unplug from technology so that we can be more who we're meant to be and and be more with our thoughts? And, and, And I think we're so lost, to be honest with you, and so confused and despairing and discouraged and anxious and depressed because we're overconnected online and and disconnected from our true selves. Yeah, and I would also say, how do you, and you are the host of the Wise Traditions podcast and really trying, you know, to be a messenger for 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 Dr. Price's work and helping people sort through the static. I mean, I all I, when I hear you talk about this and in, in the disconnection, all I keep thinking about is like, we're overly connected, but we're also just getting bombarded by information. And we're like, Cheryl and I were saying this 
talking about this right before we got on with you. It's just like, what's the newest biohack? What's going to be the latest trend? What's going to be the quickest way to lose weight? How am I going to save my myself from early death? I mean, you know, you just keep <laughs> going on, I think. Um, but and Hilda, what's your perspective on how to filter through the static? That is a great question, Nancy. I want to say this. One of our main purposes on this planet, I believe, is to understand our own purpose, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to be fully who we were meant to be. I can't take your place. I can't take Cheryl's place. Each of us has a unique gift. Mm -hmm. If you are alive and breathing, you have a purpose on this planet. And if you haven't discovered what it is yet, or you think it has to be grandiose, I think it may just take a little quietness as opposed to uh, busyness, frantic hustling to figure out what it is. When I was in Australia, one of the Aboriginal women that I met said to me, we have a custom here, Hilda, that's called Dadiri, and it's a deep listening. Mm. And she said, and it's in that deep listening where we might hear the voice of God or our ancestors or our inner conscience, a deep knowing comes over us when we're quiet. And I thought, oh my goodness, if we could only all make more space for that quiet. So part of how we handle the static is turn off the radio, Nancy, to answer your question. (laughs) Turn it off. I know there are a lot of cool biohacks, methylene blue and, you know, Mm. all these little things, but I'm like, I can't, my supplement cabinet would be overflowing if I bought the latest and greatest thing that Ben Greenfield is putting out there, you know? (laughs) And by the way, Ben is not me. You know, he's in his forties. He's, you know, a former bodybuilder. I'm just this, you know, women doing the woman doing the best I can, Latina woman who's like five, two on a good day and heels, you know, I'm just like my own self, but I want to be my own healthy self living my own best purpose. So I say, make space for some quiet and some deep listening. And you don't need to hustle to make your purpose come true. I think you need to be open to it. I wasn't a podcaster when I became the Wise Traditions podcast host. I was a communicator. I started doing things that led me in the right path and direction of doing this. It's just kind of cool. I got my certification from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be a health coach. Mm -hmm. I'm a fitness professional. I just started pursuing things that were of interest to me. And I loved communicating. I used to be the director of communications for a fitness group. And I was like, this is really fun. And so one thing led to the next, but I wasn't frantically running about trying to figure out what am I supposed to do in this life? Some people's purpose may be, and this is probably the most beautiful purpose of all, raising their children you know, or having yeah. a garden, yeah. to, being a good neighbor. It doesn't mm. have to be dramatic because at the <laughs> end of the day, when, you know, death catches you and it just may do that unless, you know, the world ends in a different way. I'm not sure, quite sure how it's all going to play out, but um, <laughs> it's not, you know, your obituary is not going to say, you know, how many accolades you got. And if you did, who cares? It's all going to burn up anyway. The yeah. most important thing is to be the most loving, conscious being you could be. And for me, part of that connection is spiritual. And I know everyone's journey is different in that, but you know, I got exposed to the Christian faith and I thought, oh my gosh, this resonates with me that there is a supreme being who loves me so much that he sacrificed his son for me. So I started pursuing Mm -hmm. that Christian faith and that gave me a lot of grounding and purpose because I thought no matter what, if no one ever knows my name, 
Yeah. Before it even became holistic. <laughs> you know, if no one ever knows me, it's fine because I'm going to love God and love my neighbor and love my children. And so it's, mm. it's turned out beautifully. And so I really want to encourage people don't get caught up in the latest and greatest, you know, be quiet, be still. And I would say, if you're going to look anywhere, instead of looking to the newest thing, look to the past. And mm. this is one reason I love the Weston A. Price Foundation, because they say, it's not something hip and cool. It's not some beach body smoothie that's going to get you the body and the health that you want. It's living as our ancestors did. And they lived really simply. And by the way, the people in Mongolia had no idea how the people in Switzerland were living. And they had no idea how the people in Papua New Guinea were living. And they were all living according to their region in the world and in a way that honored their ancestors. That's right. That's right. The one thing I want to mention, jump, jump in here and mention is just how connected I'm finally seeing. And I, I was exposed to Weston A. Price in my nutrition program. Um, and, you know, I met Sally Fallon and had heard her lecture and she was such a central part to my education. And I always saw it as a diet. I always saw it as like a view of how to eat, not a view of how to live and a view of like, let's just take the ancestral ways of eating and slowing the F down yes, and bringing in some spiritual bandwidth into our, our day-to-day because they certainly also couldn't have made it through the seasons and and the unknowns without some sort of relationship with a higher being and it doesn't have to have a name necessarily but just some perspective that we are part of a larger ecosystem and we like you have said are part of creation that we are also on this planet and have a a, a role to play um and yeah. If it's not just a, if it's not just a, just to only just take care of our you know raise good humans and um, and help to nurture you know uh, the lives of our our friends and family and um, and creatures who who also co co inhabit this this land with us. Um, but anyway, sorry, I'm just I it, it was uh, one of those moments of kind of pulling it all together for me hearing you talk about. Um, your trip to Mongolia, but also start putting together the the idea that these people had no ways of communicating with each other, um, and uh, they survived. They figured it out. Absolutely, um, and not only survived, they thrived, which is right. why they are their role our role models. Now we don't know about them. I will say, you know, here in the United States, our, our country is young. We mm-hmm. often came from all over the world, right? So we don't even know what our ancestors did or how they lived. So, mm-hmm. and right. people have often asked me, well, if I'm like of Italian extraction, should I be eating and living as my ancestors did over there? And mm-hmm. that's a complicated question, but I I think, I think very highly of the idea of bio-individuality. So it's kind of like, you need to do what works for you and you are in a new place. So maybe take into account your heritage, but also take into account where you are right now. And as Jack Cruz says, maybe don't eat too much pineapple if you're north of a certain latitude because it isn't grown (laughs) there. I mean, I love my pineapple as much as the next person, but I'm not from, you know, a tropical island. So perhaps I need to eat more locally where I'm at. And I do want to say something about the foundation too. 
they're just the coolest. I love them, but they're not hip. So if you go to their website, don't expect some modern thing. No, no, it, it looks right. very ancestral. Um, but what I want to get at is um, they do have dietary guidelines, but they are guidelines. Even a vegan or vegetarian can try to eat um, ferments, for example, more salt, um, preparing for pregnancy. These are some of the principles that they offer. But they're also about food farming and the healing arts, mm. which is so broad and all-encompassing. And I think on the podcast, we have made an effort to include some of these, um, you know, these other bits and pieces about well-being that have to do with spirituality or our emotions. You were talking earlier, Cheryl, about traumas. You know, how do we heal those? I interviewed Dr. Sina McCullough about emotional detox, and I, I've talked with others about it because there are so many factors. But I don't want people to get overwhelmed. And that's why I always just try to keep it super simple. And I do think sunlight and getting in nature are really key because while people don't want to necessarily to do diet overhauls, those are some simple places to start, just like you were suggesting to your client, Cheryl. And they're free. Like yeah. how many things can we do in the world that are free or cost-effective, right? That are just basic you know, things and it's honoring it. It's honoring a higher power or however you've come into the world and however you see that, but it's also like honoring ourselves and that our own self care is, you know, a top priority. It's like, I can't be a great caretaker to my family, you know, to my kids, to my clients. If I don't do those things for myself as well, you know, and we all get ruts, right? Like real talk, it really happens. Um, but it, it it is a bigger, it's more of like a life philosophy, I think is um, a little bit of, you know, I think a great takeaway. It's about principles. You know, I was um, having this conversation with a friend the other day who is trying to transition to her own family into, you know, some better lifestyle choices. And I go, just tell your kids, like, this is how our family does things. <laughs> like this is how we this is just how we choose to do life. Mm-hmm. It's not a protocol, it's not necessarily a diet, it's not like this is how we do life. We spend time in nature, we migrate how much technology, we eat eat all kinds of diverse foods and you know animals if that's your thing and we honor the whole animal, we honor the land. We honor energy, we honor, you know, and like, this is just, you know, it's again, that kind of philosophy, like, well, how do you want to do life? I love that. Just personalizing it. I know. Also, I want to encourage any, you know, moms or dads out there listening just to say your kids may rebel or, you know, be mad at you. I wouldn't let my kids watch like any TV. I mean, I think they call it programming for a reason, but anyway, (laughs) so they watch hardly anything. And for years they were kind of mad at me. They were like, they didn't understand any of the cultural references that their friends all had, you know, they were like, and now they're like, thank you. Because all I would ever tell them, Cheryl, actually, I would say this. um, I would say, we live life. We don't watch it. We live life. And I just kept telling that over and over. And it's actually remained my philosophy. So this is the other thing. I always say, parents, more is caught than taught. So your mm. kids might be like, we don't want to go outside right now. Okay, mom's going outside. I'll be back in 15 minutes, you know? And that way they see it modeled. And by the way, the kids that are kicking and screaming that they don't want to go out, once they're out, five minutes later, they're all about building a hut with the sticks. You know, they get over 100%. it pretty quick. So mm-hmm. get out there, model it. 
and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like some people call it like rewilding or unschooling or, and I'm like, it's a good thing. Like, you know, there's lots of good things that come from lots of things. Right. But I'm like, I was like, yeah, I want to be rewilded. Like I'm pretty wild as it is, but I'm like constantly like, yes, like let's switch it up. Let's do new things. And we had Dr. Laura Salyer um, on our podcast uh, recently. And, you know, she was just talking about like, not just burnout for practitioners and people in life, but like prescribed creativity, you know, just the principle of like, go play, get dirty, make things, make mistakes. Don't be so attached to the outcome or what it looks like, but just like that being in spirit, you know, is really falls in line with a lot of what we're talking about as well. hundred percent. And for that parent or individual, if you're listening right now and you're like, I am so stressed. This just sounds like, you know, <laughs> woo-woo talk. I don't know. I'm just going to go have my coffee and make do. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you, there is a better way. And I don't know if I even mentioned this yet, but being in nature is cortisol lowering. So you mm. feel super stressed. Get away from the things that are stressing you. Get away from your computer. That email can wait. You know, mm. your supervisor can wait 15 more minutes before you get back on text. Part of the problem is this constant connectivity has raised the level of availability that everyone expects, right? Oh, they didn't get back to me in 15 minutes. Something is wrong. No, it's okay. And you mm. can set new boundaries and it will help heal your soul, if I dare say, if you get outside. This is a reason in Japan, they literally will prescribe forest bathing for people. It's literally something the doctors will tell individuals to do to improve their health. And we need to get back to that, I think. So yeah, it really is healing. And this might all sound crazy until you do it. And then you're like, oh, wow. So instead of getting a a smoke break, like people used to do, get a sun break get a nature mm. break, get outside for 10 or 15 minutes. Like you were saying you do, Cheryl. I just think that's phenomenal. And watch how that cortisol level will decrease. Your sleep will improve and your whole spirit and mood will be better for whatever you have to deal with. I'm not saying life is easy. I understand. Like you said, there are challenges all along the way, but I think nature is our is our friend and our healer too. hundred percent. And if you think about, you know, I think a lot about like elder elder communities And, you know, and I think about it and I'm like, wow, when you go to other parts of the world, you know, in your case, like Mongolia or, you know, traveled the world, you've done far more traveling than even I have. But when you go to certain other parts of the world, the elder population, you don't see them like with walkers on a hundred medications. They still go out. The grandmas are out there and the people are out there. Like they're participating in life. They're not like, they're not indoors versus, you know, in the, you know, and I think about this a lot, like especially in the United States. And it's like, what are we doing to our elder population? It's like you retire and we tuck you away and maybe you end up in a nursing home and maybe you, and I was like, and they're always sick. And then it's like, I'm like, so we put you in a place where you're inside, you feel like you can't move. You're socially a little bit more isolated, you know? And I'm like the elders that I know even who are thriving, I'm like, they're out they're seeing their friends, they go out every day, they found ritual in the process of, you know, the retirement or they're like, you know, this next kind of wave of life. There's something really powerful, I think, behind that when we look at these like elder communities that reflect back. Yeah, I would say my grandmother uh, died at 98, almost 99. And one of the things she she reiterated 
and just in in modeling all the time was there was at least she had breakfast every morning. It was a really good solid meal in the South. We call it supper. Um, well, sorry, in the South we call it dinner midday. Supper is at night. It's a smaller meal, but that larger meal middle of the day improved her digestion. It, it gave her a solid square meal, and then she got up and got dressed every day and got moving somehow. She couldn't, she was a super mobile, but she watched the widows in her little complex once they're, you know, once they became a widow, especially and their partners had died, um, they stopped getting up. They stopped getting dressed. They stopped taking social engagements. They, they fell into a, like clearly a depression, which we don't talk about enough for, for our sweet elders either. Um, but, but what she noticed is that in due time, without that social engagement and getting up, she had, even if she had no place to go, she got up and moved. Um, and, you know, felt like she had some presence in her day. Mm. And um, I don't know. I just think there's what I keep pulling from this conversation is like creating rhythm, mm. you know, creating some consistency and not being afraid of actually, you know, shutting out all the, all the, the clutter and the chatter and the, and, you know, all the shouldas and the couldas and, and all the things that we're supposed to be doing, we think, and figuring out what works for us and our family. So, yes. And to something you said earlier, Nancy, too, you said something about raising humans or something, and mm -hmm. we want to come into our full expression of humanity, right? That's right. And part of the key, I think, is also community. That's what's yes. coming home to me from some of the things you all have said as well, because when I interviewed a Maasai elder, actually, um, in Kenya. So this man was really old. He was like a hundred. Mm, <laughs> he was so nice. old. I like to say he didn't know how old he was because it was true. We had to like calculate out. Okay. You were here when T came to Kenya. Like I was crazy. But wow. anyway, <laughs> um, he came and walked up to where I was using a walking stick, like he, he, under his own auspices, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And what was one of the keys is he was in community there, you know, yeah. and he was happy and healthy. And I, I did say to him, like, tell me about your childhood. Like I tried to learn more about his life, but that community piece, I think is more key to well-being than we may have realized. You were saying, Cheryl, yeah. how we shutter our elders off and that is such a disservice to them. So mm -hmm. looking to include any elders in our life, aunts, uncles, grandparents, like looking to stay connected with them is really important, not just for them, but for us. Yeah. You know, we can still learn from their wisdom. We might be like, oh, they're baddie. Well, maybe your uncle has a point about whatever thing and maybe he's <laughs> Over enthusiastic about the Dodgers, you know, baseball team or whatever, but you know, like listen to him because there's something about who he is that helps you become a better human. Yeah, that's right. And actually, there's clear stats that as we become um, a more diverse country, right, that that once our the immigration, you know, flows that have come in are coming in from places that house multiple generations underneath one roof. And this aspect of possibly living with multiple generations could, you know, quite easily, like in the next decade, become so much more normalized. Um, I mean, our, our financial, the economics, you know, is improved for for most everybody in the household um, when you get to share resources in that sense as well. So it's it's just interesting. And just as, as you mentioned that, how our cultures, like in the U.S., how cultures are starting to, you know, the cultural influence is starting to shift a little bit. We'll see what happens. But anyway, I love that idea 
um, I certainly am sad that I felt so separated from, from my grandparents and that my parents, my father especially found it to almost be like a nuisance, you know, and that idea of like having to be patient to wait on my grandmother to walk you know, this few steps that she had to walk. And she was very scared of breaking her hip because she watched her sister break her hip and become bedridden and then die. And so she was like, you know, anyway, she, he just got annoyed. And of course I got, they got passed on to my brother and I as like, oh, she's so annoying. Oh, it's such a bother. Oh, it's this thing we have to do. It's this orchestration. And then I came back home from college and started to become kind of like, my grandmother's like one of her social, you know, partners. So we would go do the opera together and do the symphony together. And, and I would take her to these little engagements and it was like, oh my gosh, I've been missing this person, this person who I'm very much alike, by the way, um, you know, and it, but I did, would have never have known that. So um, unless I had stopped, slowed down, shut him out and made a decision to, um, to spend, to get to know her before she died. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that. It was, yeah. it was important. It's important. Parents um, are so special though. Like I was yeah. very close with my grandmother, you know, nice. up until she passed a couple of years ago. And, you know, when I still lived in the same state, I would come, I over all the time, I would scoop her. We'd go on adventures. We'd play games. We'd listen to music, you know, like yes. I'd bring her coffee. <laughs> No, we would like to, you know, like there's something really special about that. It it reminds me, I recently got, I found this book. I was looking for presents for my nephews, but I found this book called The Encyclopedia of Grannies. No. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm looking through it and it was just about like all these different kinds of grandmas and like, (laughs) like nuances of like having a grandparent and like, like. Some, you know, grannies are funky and spicy and some grannies are, you know, <laughs> like so things and some grannies, but it was this just adorable book. Of course, they ended up buying it because I was like, this is awesome. And like, an no. ode, ode to gram, gra- grandmas, you know, or, you know, but it's, it's something there is about elders. And, you know, it was funny last night I was teaching a fermentation workshop and I, you know, I, I was talking about safety and I was like, guys, put on your depression era grandma helmets nice scrape it off <laughs> like, if yes. something is there like scrape it off like we have we have lost you know we teach us a lot in fermentation where I'm like we have lost um the ode to our ancestors and the things that come before us that people have lived forever <laughs> before we ever came along with living off nature and natural practices and honoring the whole animal and being in nature and building a fire and not having LD, LED lights over your head all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, computers and Zoom and podcasts and, you know, all these, all these things. And um, just the mindfulness of like, we have to remember what has come before us so we can live in the now. That's right. hundred percent. And that's, I think, part of the mission of the Weston Price Foundation, part of my mission is to bring to light some of these traditions that are so helpful. And so, you know, we've already talked about sunlight. We've already talked about getting out in nature, but seeking connection is really, really important. I think when I interviewed Dr. Bruce Lipton, he said, human beings are like little batteries Mm -hmm. and we get energized by each other. 
So yeah. this is wonderful. And I'm so thankful that we can talk and, and have listeners, you know, doing this podcast through the internet is fantastic. But if we were in person, there would be even greater exchange of energy. And I would feel even more lifted up and you would too, right? So Mm -hmm. we'll have to do this in person sometime. I'll come down your way. And, you know, really there's something about it. So if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, the grandparent thing sounds awesome. I do need more community. Nowadays, you guys, we have to be intentional about it because my Maasai tribal friends were in a tribe. You know, the people I was with in, in Mongolia were part of a indigenous people group. You know, everyone's got their tribe, but in the, in the US, at least in modern world, we don't often have the tribe. We have to find our mm-hmm. tribe. So mm-hmm. we need to intentionally look for that because that is mm-hmm. going to give us life and help us be the best humans we want to be. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I think, you know, especially to all, all the mamas and all the parents out there. I mean, it wouldn't feel so hard if we were living as a tribe because we wouldn't be raising our kids by ourselves and feel so isolated. Like I could be cooking the soup while you were nursing the baby and someone else would be getting the firewood. The reason I don't feel so stressed is because they're doing it all by themselves. So we need to find another way to make this happen, whether it's multi-generational living, like you were saying, Nancy, or, Mm -hmm. you you know, seeking out community where we're at. I don't care if you just have in common that you all love to go outside and get your feet on the ground and touch a tree like Cheryl does. You know, <laughs> you just got to find that group to help each other out so that we're not mm-hmm. alone any longer. Amen. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you, Hilda. We so appreciate you being here and inspiring us all just to get back to the roots and make it simple. It doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to cost money. We just need to walk outside <laughs> <laughs> and find our people. Um and Hilda, if you could leave our, like, li- our listeners, like if you could leave us with one nugget, golden nugget of something that you feel like, guys, just one thing to consider to add to your day to day. What would you, what would be your thing? Yeah. Well, I feel like I've said this in other words, but I want to yeah. say, be, remember that you are a part of creation, not apart from creation. Mm. So you are a part of this whole beautiful web of people, animals, land, trees. We're all interconnected. So when you remember that and get in it, that you're a part of creation, you will find your purpose and be more who you are meant to be. Beautiful. Thank you. Yes. All right. To all of you out there, find your tribe, get outside. Take care of each other and don't forget you are part of a big wide web, which is an ecosystem, which needs you to show up in your healthiest, highest self. So let's take care of ourselves and keep peeling the onion. Spread the love, guys. We'll see you again soon. Thanks. Bye, Bye. all. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Peeling the Onion Podcast. If we've inspired you to take the next step in your healing journey, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can also find us on Instagram and online at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. Music by Greg DeJazu and podcast production by Nova Media. Until next time, keep peeling the onion.